let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and it's time for another devotional study. Please be sure to visit us at biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our previous episodes and various Bible study resources. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into our study for today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us to the close of another year. We thank you for another day of life. We invite your presence to be with us as we study, and we ask that the lessons that we see here will be in accordance with your will. Give us wisdom and understanding, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, today's study, last one for 2022, is entitled, Lessons from the Life and Death of Elisha. Lessons from the Life and Death of Elisha. And we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 13, our memory verse, our passage, the beginning of where we'll be studying today. 2 Kings 13 verse 14 says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of his sickness, whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. Okay. This section of scripture is very interesting. There are, what here, 12 verses of particular interest, and they cover the final days of Elisha's life. Now, remember that Elisha was the prophet that had gotten a double portion of the spirit that was on Elijah. Elijah was translated. Elisha was not. One of the first things we learn from this is that our experience can't be compared to anybody else's experience. The journey that God puts us on, the experiences that he outlines for us, the path that he sets for our feet is a path that has been designed for us. And if we are abiding in his will, then things will go better than if we aren't, right? So obviously there can be ups or downs based on our responsiveness to his call. But generally speaking, you can't just make a direct comparison between person A's life and person B's life, even when you're talking about godly people. So here we have Elisha, man of God, prophet with a double portion, who ends up getting sick before he dies. And he dies. Right? There's no translation here for him. He gets sick, and then he perishes. So again, our focus should not be on what is happening to those around us in terms of comparison with life experience. We should seek to abide in God's will. And we should be content in that path that the Lord allows us to go through. We don't always know why. It's not always clear why. But we know 
that by and by it will all work out for our own good. So that's the first point. Okay, let's continue reading here. So we have Elisha who's fallen sick with a sickness whereof he died. And we have Joash of the line of Jehu, who is currently king over Israel and comes to meet him. Let's go to verse 15. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hand upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till thou hast consumed them. Bear in mind, there's a lot of pronouns being used here, so you have to follow closely to tell who is speaking and who is responding. But for the most part, it's Elisha who is speaking. Other than the initial commentary that Joash makes when he shows up, Elisha is the one who's leading the conversation. Okay. Now remember what he told, what he told Joash to do: open a window. He put his hand on the bow. Both of them had their hands on the bow. Shoot. He shot an arrow. It's for the Lord's deliverance. And now he's going to give him additional instruction. Verse 18. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. Okay, so Elisha has told him, take the arrows up that you have, smite them upon the ground, beat them upon the ground. And Joash beat them three times and then stopped. 19. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now... Thou shalt smite Syria, but thrice. This was a wasted opportunity by Joash. This was a lack of faith on his part. When we look at it, it seems obvious. It seems obvious because Elisha has already told him what the purpose of this drill is. He opened the window. They fired the arrow. And he says, hey, that's the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. For thou shalt smite them till thou hadst consumed them. So this is a prophecy. Okay, this is a prophecy. But what's interesting is that this prophecy requires cooperation of the person who the prophecy was given to. And so when Elisha instructed him what to do, take up the arrows, took up the arrows, smite upon the ground, Joash smote a few times and stopped. And Elisha was was upset with him and was basically saying, you should have smote until I told you to stop. You should have just kept smiting. You should have done five or six times. Now you're only going to fight to win three times. You're only going to win three times. Okay. 
And now in verse 20, Elisha's dead. So you have this interaction with Joash, son of Jehu, of the family of Jehu. And so in verse 20, it says, And Elisha died, and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. And it came to pass, as they were burying a man, a different man altogether, that behold, they spied a band of men, and they cast the man into the sepulchre of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood upon his feet. Okay, this is a very interesting verse in the middle of nowhere. A verse in the middle of nowhere. Elisha has died, and some roving bands of Moabites keep coming into the land at the beginning of the year. And some some group of people, they, it came to pass as they were burying a man. It doesn't say who they is, but a man is being buried. And in the process of them going through this funeral, they see this band of men. And so they want to get out of there because this band of men was roving and was causing damage and harm. And so they want to get out of there. So they cast the dead man into the sepulcher of Elisha. And when the dead man's bones touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived. When the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up. So when it says they cast the man, it doesn't mean that they you know, swung him side to side and threw him. They just rapidly lowered him into a sepulcher that was already there rather than going through a much longer process that they were probably prepared to do. He revived and stood up on his feet. So verses 20 and 21, just right there in your face. What lesson do we learn from this? Well, the people who were doing the burying were attentive. Okay? They were attentive. They made a decision, the spur of the moment, when they saw a situation arise that was required. But the most important thing is that Elisha, who is dead and knows not anything, as the Bible would indicate to us, there is power in the bones of Elijah, Elisha, Elisha, such that when another recently dead person's bones come touch his, that person is revived. So imagine how interesting this situation is, that Elisha gets sick and dies. He doesn't get translated. He doesn't even get resurrected to go to heaven at that same point. But when his when someone else in need of healing, and in this case, resurrection, so it's even more than healing, when someone in need of resurrection touched his bones, their bones touched his bones, they were revived. This is one of the most unique stories in the scripture. And it begs a number of questions that we are ill-equipped to answer. 
Whose faith is involved in this miracle? Whose faith is involved? The people lowering the man down don't appear to have any faith that this outcome will be reached. The man who's being lowered down is dead, so he has no faith involved in this process. And Elisha, whose bones are the catalyst for this resurrection, is also dead. So this miracle takes place with zero human involvement because the humans are not aligned to this. Two of the three parties are dead, and the one party that's alive is trying not to become dead from the roving band of Moabites. The power of God and and how he works miracles is seriously outstanding. It's seriously a mystery. Because God chose this circumstance to show that the restoration of man, the resurrection of man, doesn't. there's nothing involved in man that brings this about. God brought this about. It wasn't the prophet doing it because the prophet is dead. It wasn't the faith of the guy doing it because that guy is dead. It wasn't the faith of the friends because they were just hurrying up to get out of there. And yet God did this. Let's continue. Verse 22. But Haziel, king of Syria, oppressed Israel all the days of Jehoahaz. And the Lord was gracious unto them and had compassion on them and had respect unto them because his covenant with Abraham, because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and would not destroy them, neither cast he them from his presence as yet. So Haziel king of Syria died, and Ben-Hadad his son reigned in his stead. We did a podcast on this, um, on a part of this, on the Haziel piece, on true wisdom. So I'm going to link that in the description below, because it's a good story teaches us certain interesting things about how people interact with God. Verse 25, And Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, took again out of the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Haziel, the cities which he had taken out of the hand of Jehoahaz, his father, by war. Three times did Joash beat him and recovered the cities of Israel three times. Elisha basically said, you could have absolutely crushed him if you had smote those arrows against the ground with more vigor, with more eagerness, with more thoroughness, if you'd done it more times. As we close out a year, in the calendars, in our modern calendars, and we look forward to a new year, we need to be careful that we don't get ambushed by the band of Moabites that may rise up to cause trouble for us. We need to recognize God's messengers, the people that God sends our way for guidance and instruction and assistance, Let's not wait until they're on their deathbed before we pay attention. 
when the Lord puts before us something that we need to act on by faith, let us act with vigor. Let us be fully committed. Let's not be half-hearted. Because Joash smote the ground with the arrows just three times. And three times is all he got out of that. Just three. He never completely defeated Syria. Never never got rid of them. But dealt with just this one issue after the death of Haziel. And lastly, we need to understand appropriately that God's miracles, God's dealings don't require us. God has seen fit to involve us, often to help us by having us be involved. But in reality, God doesn't need us. If he wants a man to get resurrected, he doesn't need any conscious human being to be involved in that. The man was dead. Elisha was dead. And the men lowering that body down were intent on not becoming dead. And yet God worked a miracle. May God work miracles in our lives as we move forward in this new upcoming year. Help us, Lord, that we will be willing to pursue whatever you put before us with vigor. Help us to be attentive, especially when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to evangelism. Help us that we will do the things that are right. Help us that we will make the right moves. It's important that we capitalize on on these things. Lord, we ask for your guidance. May we do what you need us to do. Help us to enter this new year with vigor, with strength, with intelligence. Help us to move forward by your grace. Help us to exercise faith. And when time shall be no more, please save us in your kingdom, we ask. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. You can reach us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. We look forward to hearing from you, whether you have questions, comments, suggestions, or concerns. We also recommend that you check out the True Wisdom Podcast, where Robert and I discuss Bible stories and topics together in a more interactive format. Both of these podcasts can be found on over a dozen platforms, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Please remember our ministries in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study and share His Holy Word. Amen.